Uh, so for those that don't know, my name is Cade, one of the leaders here at the Virgin Church. Um, it's great to be with you. I know there's a lot of new people here this morning. And I just want to encourage you that, um, you know, new to the city or new to a church or, you know, you're just kind of exploring the faith. But I want to encourage you that uh, as, a, as a church, we're, we want to be a family. And I want to, uh, you know, this, this Sunday is just one expression of who we are. But I'd really encourage you to really step into to the fellowship and the community of, of our guys and really get to meet people. Um, don't, don't judge a church just based on what they do on a Sunday. It's a, it's a good, um, you know, it helps, I guess. But actually it's doing life during the week with people and, and spending and doing the, the, the journey with people within the community. And that's, that's something where you really true, truly see people's faith lived out. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're new with us, um, yeah, hang around, get to know people, uh, and yeah, really, really decide if this is going to be home for you. We we want we want this to be a home where you feel like you can grow in your faith. Uh, let's start with prayer, Father. Just thank you that we can be here this morning um, and meet as your church, as your sons and daughters, as your children. And I just pray, Father, that as we come into this series, uh, Father, that this would continue to allow us to step back and look at our lives. Uh, look at um, what you're doing within us, uh, Father. And I just pray that you will challenge us. Uh, Father, you will mold us uh, to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I was in the gym the other day and who, who here is, uh, you know, New Year resolutions, um, thinking, you know what, I need to get in the gym. Has anyone done that this start of this year? So I want to get in the gym this year. Dave, Dave's a bit like, mate, you need to be in the gym a bit more, mate. He's, you're looking a bit, you know, if you want to play footy, you want to play first grade, mate. Got to be in the gym. Um, but I just couldn't believe how full the gym was. It's incredible. Um, and it was during the day. So it's a time that I usually go and there's not many people in there. But it was packed. And I'm just, I'm just shaking my head thinking, it's that time of year again, New Year resolutions. And why do we, why do we set these New Year res- resolutions why is it something that we do at the start of the year? Often because there's an area of our life we don't like or we want to change or add something new. And I think this new year often symbolizes a, a time of renewal and change. Um, and let's be honest with each other. We've most failed at our New Year's New Year resolutions, I've, especially myself. Failed many times when I've tried to start something. And I guess the question is, why do we even bother? Um, setting new resolutions. Now, the reason I think people, you know, care, deep down, we all desire to be better people. But no, no matter how hard we try, we seem to trip up. And I think the problem is not often what we do. The problem is often who we are. The problem is within ourselves our own hearts and our own minds. Paul says in Romans 7, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. We all have this desire to be better, to wanting to be good. And what is the solution? As Christians, I believe the solution, which should always be the solution, is we need to sit before God. We need to dwell with him. And I loved what Cam was talking about. I even, um, some of our guys, when we were praying uh, before the service, 
uh, had words of God, you know, words that they've had from God. And it was really about this dwelling with God, was sitting with Him, and, and that's where the change starts. That's where the change begins. Because God is the only one that knows the solution. God is the only one that knows our purpose. And that's why we see Paul when he says, Philippians 4 verse 30, I can do all things. I can do new resolutions through him who gives me strength. It's, it needs to be done through Christ. If we want to see a change, if we want to, we want to become better people, it always starts with Christ. Always. He's the only one that can change us internally. And I've been thinking a lot lately how our lives are a journey. don't know why, but this word journey has just been something on my mind last year. Um, and, and really a journey towards Christ. And, you know, I, I, I've really tried to step back and look back at my life and just see how Christ has changed me. I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever sat down and reflected and just looked at your journey. And I know in this room there are many different journeys going on. There are some that haven't even been on the journey of Christ. They're, they're, they're going to Christ. They're just, they're just seeking Him out. And then there's some that have just started the journey. They just, just decided to follow Jesus now. And then there's some that are uh, you know, in the middle of it and they've, they're, they're seeing some incredible things. And then there's some that are towards the end of their life. And there are so many journeys going on in this room and, you know, I was just thinking about my journey and hopefully I've got longer in my life to, to live and that's up to God how much longer that I have to live. But I've just been thinking about how he has been shaping and molding me and how he's allowed circumstances to, to allow me to grow in my faith and to become more like him. And I would encourage you to do that, to step back and reflect. And I, if that's anything that I would love to see you do the start of this year is actually stepping back and asking yourself, where are you on the journey with Christ? What is He doing right now in your life? What is He working on? What is He trying to change and shift and mold to become more like Him? I love what Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 to 14. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. I press on, the, on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What he is saying is his journey, his focus, his goal is Jesus. And he is working his journey towards Jesus. That's his goal. And he knows when he has that, his eyes on Christ, that will be the prize. He knows that he'll get there if he focuses on, on, on Jesus being the goal. I want to ask you, in your journey, is Jesus the goal? Is He your focus? Does your life revolve around Him? And over the next three weeks, I want to talk about this journey. How do we get there? Now, I could have called this many things. I could have called this the, the journey of transformation. I could have called this the journey of grace, the journey of sanctification, whatever you want to call it. But I wanted to call it the journey of salvation. Because I believe that this journey, what Jesus is doing, 
is that He is continually saving us. And this is what 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. To us who are being saved is the power of God. See that journey, it's being saved. We are continually being saved. Now it is true that we have been saved. And it is true that we will be saved. And that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 2 verse 8. He says, you have been saved. But in Romans 13 verse 11, salvation is nearer to us now than we were first believed. He's talking about then you will be saved. This is when we're talking about eternal life. So there's three things going on here. But I really want to talk about this journey of salvation. How he's continually saving us. And what does that mean? And what he's what what saying is that he is saving us from our old life, our life of sin. And he is transforming us to become like Jesus. And so there is a process going on. There is something going on in our lives. And, and it starts with, with turning away from our old life and, and the new. And I, I love this picture. And I didn't actually choose this. This is Naomi Brown that chose this slide. And I didn't even tell her what my message is about. But I thought this, this slide is just really tells the story. This is our old life. Hidden in the wilderness. This is the new life that God wants for us. And this is the journey that he is taking us. And, and a great example of this would be like Eden. You know, Scripture talks about the Garden of Eden being the place that we should be in. And that is, that is where joy, that is where hope. And, and I, I love that. That's, that's the journey that's going on. And how do we get there? We turn towards God. That's the start of the journey. That is the start of salvation is when we decide to follow Jesus. But that's only the beginning. And some of you are only on the start of that journey. And you're only just tasting some of the great things that God is giving you. But we shouldn't stay there. We don't stay there. God is wanting to continually change us and take us to the promised land. He is shaping us to become more like Christ. And unfortunately, I'm seeing too many Christians going the other way. They're allowing the enemy to pull them away. And then we know that that's what the enemy does. You know, Jesus talked about when the seeds, there will be the word of God will be planted and the enemy will come along and take those seeds, and that's what he's doing. He brings worries, and, and he tries to. But I, I, my hope is, as a church, that we would become more like Christ every day as he redeems us. And, you know, the first thing that Jesus said in his ministry were these words, and I put the Amplified Version um, up here, and it's Matthew 4, verse 17. This is the first thing he said. He said, repent. And the Amplified, obviously, it amplifies it more and brings a bit more out of it, and I'll, I'll get nobody to put up the the verse up here it says repent and change your inner self your old way of thinking regret past sins live your life in a way that proves repentance seek God's purpose for your life for the kingdom of heaven is at hand Matthew 4 it says repent what that means is when we repent when we turn away from our old life it means changing your inner self it's going from your old way of thinking of now taking God's way of thinking. It's, it's, it's not living in your sin and it's actually now you're a new life 
and you live a life of repentance and, and, and growth towards God. 1 John 1 verse 6 to 10 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And what I'm trying to say here is that there are many that have come, will believe that they've come to salvation because they think salvation is an event. Can I tell you, salvation is more than an event. It's an ongoing process. It's a journey. And so the journey and how we know that someone has come to salvation is we see a change in their life. We see a shift in their life. And for some, that is a quick thing. For some, it can be a longer process, depending what background you've grown up, where you, your family but there's one thing that, that John is saying here. You can't say you're saved, but you're continuing to live your old ways. You're continuing to live in your sin. You're not saved. See, those three things, um, you are saved, being saved, and you will be saved, they all hand in hand. It's not one or the other. They're all together. Because as God's grace, He is changing us and molding us as we come and sit before Him and, and dwell with Him. Part of the journey is that we will be changed. We will have new life. And we should see that evidence in our life. And that's why I'd encourage you, I want to ask you that question. If you've stepped back and looked at your life from when you first knew Jesus, have you seen a change in your life? Have you seen a shift have you seen things that you've overcome that become more like Jesus? If you haven't, you need to ask yourself this question, are you, are you fully in? Have you given your heart and your mind to Christ? Doesn't mean that we won't sin, we will. And that's what this scripture is talking about, that when we do sin, we give it to Christ. We, he cleanses us as we uh, repent, as we give it to Him. But over the next three weeks, I really want to talk about now, I've got this whiteboard. I don't know if this is just the coach for me. For those that don't know, I'm a footy coach. Um, we haven't played for a while, so maybe I just, just want to get a feel of the whiteboard back. But, and I know I've talked to this with a few people, but our journey can kind of look, at, look like this. Some mountains, some rises. Can I tell you, the journey towards Christ isn't always an easy journey. Why is it not an easy journey? Because we have to let go of our old ways. We have to let go of things that we are comfortable with to take up Christ. And this is what it can feel like. It can feel like that you're going up a mountain. I don't know about you, and, and I will be talking a bit more about this last uh, next week, but, you know, we've been, we looked at the series of obedience. I don't know about you. Have you, have you read some of the, the stories of what some of the guys did, girls had to do to be obedient to God? 
You know, some of them are, are crazy. <laughs> I think it was Jeremiah was lying on the ground for 20 days. That's what God told him to do. I don't know about you, but that's not an easy thing. Obedience is not an easy thing. And to become more like Christ, it is. It literally says dying to yourself, taking up your cross. But I can guarantee you in this journey, you know, this is where salvation starts, the start of the journey, I can guarantee you that is where the true joy is. And, and today I really want to talk about, because I kind of want to talk about some areas of this journey that I think is going to help us on this journey. And I just think some maybe the world has kind of crept in and um, confused us and confused our identity. Uh, but I want to really talk about this journey. And, and the first thing I want to talk about today is I want to talk about who you are. You might be going, come on, Kate, I know that. Do you? Do you really know who you are? I believe there is an identity crisis going on in the church. We know that there is an identity crisis going in the world, but unfortunately, it's starting to infiltrate the church. It's starting to infiltrate Christians. And I think this is an essential part of the journey. If we don't have this right, like Cam talked about the foundation, if we don't have this right, it will, it will, it will fail. It will crumble. The foundation will not be solid. And I think this has got to be key. Um, and I, I really want to talk about identity today, who you are. Because I think people are confused who they are. I think they're trying to find their purpose and their identity um, in the wrong things. And I want to talk a little bit what the world system does. And, and it is great. There are people that are, uh, and maybe you've heard of some great TED Talks or the who before the do and, um, you know, really thinking about who you are. But I actually think that question is actually confusing Christians, who you are. Asking that question to us is going, who are you? I want to, do you know that answer? And I think the world, they actually don't know that answer. Who are you? The way they answer it is through what? The things they do. That's the only way they answer that question. Because their focus... Is destiny. I don't know if you had a school teacher say to you, what are you going to do when you grow up? Why? Because they think if you know what you're going to do, that's going to motivate you. That's going to make you feel secure. Which leads to identity. Can I tell you that's the world system of identity. And it can be things like this. I am what I do, meaning I'm an athlete. I'm a businessman. I'm a mother. I'm a father. Or it could be I am what I have. I have a house. I have a career. Or I am where I come from, my culture, my country, 
These are the things that have come, people's identities, and this is a worldly system. This is not the God system. A new one that people are saying is uh, who they are is, I am, uh, I am disabled. They're using that, I, I have ADHD. It's become their identity. I am gay. I am heterosexual. Instead of that becoming, it's, that's not who you are, that's how you are. It's not who you are, it's how you are. These are things that have happened because of the world we live in. That's how we are. We don't put our identity in those things. That's what the world puts their identity into. But God's system is different. And God's system is identity first. Security then destiny. And in God's system, in God's system, I think the question isn't who you are. The question is, whose are you? Who do you belong to? Do you know identity means who you identify with? Now, I'll give you a story. There was a guy that in the US, he, he returned back from overseas and in this story, he, he didn't tell his parents that he was coming back. Unfortunately, and this is a true story, unfortunately, he had a car crash and he had amnesia. He lost his wallet. And so the people in the hospital didn't know where he belonged to. He lost his whole identity. Anyways, he became homeless and lived on the streets for many years until one day uh, his parents miraculously found him because obviously they hadn't heard from him for so long. But he had no idea. Now, I feel like that's what some of us are like. We've lost our identity, but how did he lose his identity? When he didn't, he didn't know who he belonged to. He didn't have, you know, your license to show that he belonged to this family. And why this is important, because we belong... This is our identity. We belong to God. That's our identity. See, we're, we're trying, when you ask that question, who am I? You're trying to find it within yourself. Can I, can I tell you, you can't find that within yourself. Only God knows your true purpose and your identity. We should be asking God, who am I? And identity is who you belong to. It's whose you are. You are God's. Only he knows your purpose. Now, I've got a, a picture here of Michael Phelps. And this is a great example because this is what the world system is all about. If only I can be so good at what I do, I, I will be satisfied. Does anyone know the story of Michael Phelps? Do you know how many gold medals he won? Does anyone want to take a guess? Oh, we're going to count the screen. How many did you count? He won over 20 gold medals. Do you know that Michael Phelps tried to commit suicide on multiple occasions? This is a man that we focus on the doing 
had succeeded in any, every way possible that we would like to succeed in our doing. But everyone knew Michael Phelps as the swimmer, the swimmer Michael Phelps. And it wasn't until his friends gave him a book, The Purpose Driven Life, that changed his life. He realized that he doesn't need to find identity within himself. He doesn't need to find identity in what he does, that he already knows his true purpose and his identity is that he belongs to God. Incredible story. And then he found his purpose. Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 11, There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, savage, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Christ is all. This is our identity. We don't need to find our identity in things we do, what the world system is. We need to flip that system. We need to realize that we are already loved, that we are already cared for. You know, I think another, another trap, I've got a friend who is a, a Christian psychologist and he did his PhD on individualism versus collectivism. And what he found is that in individualism, that the mental health uh, is so much higher than collective communities. And I, I asked him, well, why? Why is this the case? And, and if, if just for those that don't know what individualism is, the Western world is an individualistic society, meaning that you individually need to be independent, make your own choices, do what you want to do, you do you, that's the individualistic community, whereas collective is about a whole community and they kind of tell you what you do. That's a collective community. And so you have elders that tell you what, who you are. And, and really, the individualism... He's, he, as he went into this research, he's found that because there was no one telling them who they were, not telling them their purpose. Now, don't, don't mishear me. Collective communities aren't all perfect. There are faults in both. Culture has its faults. But can I encourage you that God's community is a collective community? God is telling you who you are. Now, I was going to give you an example, and I totally forgot to bring it. But I do this with the kids at schools. And what I do is I get them to I set up two Lego, um, uh, just a box of Lego. Anyways, I get two kids. They face back to back, and I, I give one, one kid the, the Lego, and they have nothing. They just got to – I said, you got to build it exactly like it's on the box. But I give them no instructions. I give them no, uh, none of the box. Then the other kid – I give them the box, I give them the instructions, and I also help them. And some of the kids are sitting in there and going, what, you can't be helping them, what's going on? Anyways, do you understand what the message of that, that is? What, what's the message of that? Only God knows your purpose. And he gives us, what's he give us? What's the instructions? What's the manual? The word. Who, who did I represent helping them? Holy Spirit. Who did the box represent the image? The image of Christ. Because we have someone we can look to to become like. Yet we have people in the world that are trying to make up their life and we wonder 
Jesus, you lack purpose because they don't know what they're building towards. They don't know why they were created. Only the creator knows why you're created. You know, you probably heard this example, but if I had a, a cake sitting here and I was to give it to, to, to one of you here, you know, scientists can tell us what ingredients are in the cake. They can tell us when it's made. What's one thing that scientists can't tell us? What it was made for. Only the creator can tell us what that cake was made for. Only God knows your purpose. Only God can tell you who, what your purpose is in this life, what you were created for. Is this, does this make sense? Scripture is very clear that we need to stop trying to work out our lives in our individualistic eyes. Scripture says that we should die to ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. I don't want to, did you hear that? You do not belong to yourself. Who do you belong to? God. Stop trying to work out your life by yourself. Only God knows what your purpose is. Only God knows why you're created. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live. My flesh no longer lives. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Why is this important? Because it means we don't need to work out our purpose. We don't need to try and work out why I was here. What we need to do is we need to sit at the feet of the Father. We need to sit with Him and start to listen why He's given us a purpose. We need to start realize that we are big, a part of something bigger than ourselves. That we are part of God's kingdom. Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill whose purpose? Whose purpose? God's purpose, not yours. We are placed on this earth to fulfill God's purpose, to fulfill God's will. And when we understand that and when we realize that, can I tell you, you'll be working in the space that you were created for. You'll understand why I'm here. Can you see why this question of who are you when we try and look within ourselves is a dangerous question? We've got to stop looking within ourselves. We need to start looking towards God. Because I think once we get this, when we understand this in our journey, we should have confidence. I'm seeing Christians that lack confidence. I'm seeing followers of Jesus that lack boldness which I don't understand because 
we should have confidence knowing that we belong to God. That we have a Father He's all-powerful. We are part of a family that has done incredible things. I don't know if you've read Scripture and gone, this is the family I want to be part of. This family that has led a nation out of Egypt through the desert. You know, this family, and this is the beauty thing, we are part of God's family. The things that we see in Scripture, we are part of this. This is God's family. These are our brothers and sisters. I don't know, but when when I think of Goliath yelling at David, I'm thinking of myself going, you know what? How dare you, Goliath? How dare you, the devil, defy the army of the living God? Have you ever had that confidence and boldness? Because I think that the devil is planting seeds of doubt, like Goliath was, speaking into your life, and I think you're forgetting who you belong to. You're forgetting who your father is. You're forgetting how powerful he is. You're forgetting that this is the God that can, can wipe the world with one swipe. I don't know about you, but We should be standing taller. We should be walking with confidence and boldness. God is our provider. God is is, is the God that walks with us. He loves us. He is powerful. He is a judge. He is a king. And you know, the beauty about God is that he doesn't allow us to do the journey alone. He gives us family. He gives us community. He gives us you and I to do this journey with together. That's the family I'm involved with. That's the family I belong to. That's why God craves unity because if we don't have unity within the family, who, who are we representing? This is God's family. God is a unified God. He is unified with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be a unified family. Because we represent his family. Do you, do you realize when you walk out into your workplace, into your university, that you represent God's family? You know, for me, when often I am going and traveling and um, people hear my name, Klemke, and straight away, like, oh, the Klemkes, yes, I know the Klemkes. You know, there's this, this and this. There's, there's some, something about our name, maybe it's unusual, but people know us. Can I be honest? I don't want people to know me as the Klemke. I want people to know me as Christ follower. And I hope that is your heart too. This is not about us becoming great. This is about Christ becoming great. And that's what the family does. Our our family as the church is we want Christ to become great. We are representing him because we are sons and daughters of him. I think a lot of us think, if I accomplish something, I'll be happy. I don't think this is what we desire. You may tell yourself that. I actually truly believe that we all want to be part of something. We have a desire within us 
that wants to belong to something. I had a, I was talking to some parents, and they were, they were sharing how their son, who had really bad mental health, um, had just moved and found a community where he felt like he belonged. Every time I hear that word belong, I just kind of opens my ears. And his mental health is going so well. well. That's very interesting. That's based on that collective. I actually think that's the heart of everyone, is that we want to belong. We want to belong to something. We want to belong to something significant. Can I tell you, there's nothing bigger or greater than God's kingdom. And he is welcoming, welcoming all of us to become and be children of him. What a family that we can belong to. What a family that helps us and guides us and, and knows our true purpose. Stop seeking your universities to belong. Stop seeking your workplace to belong. Start seeking Christ. Start seeking Him. It's the only place that you will ever be satisfied. It's the only place that you will know your true purpose because that's where you belong to. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, uh, Lord, that you came to this earth to die for us so that we could belong to the family. Father, I just thank you for the picture of the prodigal son seeking the world, but knowing that his true life, his purpose was to be in the Father's arms. I pray that you remind us that our true purpose is in to be in your arms, is to be the feet, to sit at the feet of your, uh, as you speak to us. I pray that we are a church that dwells with you. I pray that we're a church that is true family, that we are sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, and I pray, Father, as we walk out, we know that we are representing you, Father, as we go into to the world. And I pray, Father, that you're opening the door to so many more to come into your family. And you're sending us as children. But I just pray, Father, that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't feel like they belong, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would come over them. I pray that you'd show them that they do belong to this family because that's what we were created for. In Jesus' name, amen.